matter of fact, two weeks from this morning, we're going to have our friends and family day. I wanted to remind everybody of that because it'll give you a chance to invite maybe somebody you work with, or maybe it's a family member that lives down the street, and I'm talking physical family because everybody here related, right? I mean, you're either a Schaefer or a Lowe or a McDonald's, you know. Anyway, uh, invite some of your family to be here, to be a part of our assemblies. Now, uh, also, this is one of those times when uh, maybe it's someone that you're close to, is a friend of yours, um, that you spend time with, but, but you don't share a, a common interest in Christ. And, and I wanted to encourage you to, to put first things first and to make sure that you use this opportunity to say, hey, listen, I have something that is important to me. And as a matter of fact, it's the utmost importance to me. And, and I would like to share that with you. I'd like you also to, to experience this with me. And so just invite them to come to one day. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. Come and be with me. Most people, they're your friends. You say, listen, I like. would you do this for me? Most people will say, well, sure, I'll do that for you. So remember that for a couple of weeks. Now, I also want to remind you, uh, you, you guys uh, that have been here for years and, and have uh, heard me talk for years, I'm not much on gimmicks. I don't like gimmicks. I don't want to do anything that looks fake or does anything that's, I mean, we're just, we're just plain Christian people trying to live, live for our Lord, okay? Nothing, no, no gimmicks to it. Okay, I say that to say this. We're going, we're, we're, we've decided to do something. Actually, it's the elders decided to have this, 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 if you remember, it's a one 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 three ones prayer. You guys, maybe you saw that in the bulletin. The idea with that is, it's not some kind of a hokey thing, but the idea is to be thinking about people that we would like to help come to know Christ. And in this situation, we're going to hopefully invite them to be a part of our Friends and Family Day. Now, what we'll do is, what one person, that's one of the ones, okay, that one person at 1 o'clock in the day, there's the other one, all right, we will pray for one minute. So that's what those three ones mean. The idea being is that we will be concentrating on somebody that we would like, that we just want, want them to know about Christ. We want them to have a better relationship with Christ. And it could be that these people are already, maybe they're already involved with, with a Christian group somewhere. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that, that these are just have to be people that don't know Christ at all. I'm just saying that these are people that are important to me and you want to encourage them in their Christian life. So, for that one person you pray at 1 o'clock, for one minute. That's two weeks. Start, you start, and in two weeks you're going to do that, okay? What, it will, what will happen is, of course, is that you will probably, if you're like me, you're going to think about more than one person, okay? But what it does is it gives us an opportunity to ask our God to be involved in our lives in such a way that He will help us to be able to be effective in taking His message to other people. We want other people to know about Christ. If we believe that Christ died for our sins, that the only way that we're going to be all right with God when this life is over is to be covered by His blood. If that is our belief, then how can we keep that to ourselves? Amen? We have to let other people know about that. It's up to them to believe it or not, but we just want them to know about Christ. We want them to know about Him because we think He's the only way to be with God for all eternity. So, keep that in mind. A couple of weeks away, we're going to have a big time together. We, we always do. Friends and family is always a wonderful day for us, so keep that in mind. It's also Easter, so it should be easier for you. Hey, listen, you know, you come to our friends and family day, and guess what? It's on Easter. So, they kind of put that all together. And, uh, so, keep that in mind for a couple of weeks. All right. I want to talk about my lesson this morning. I was, you know, sometimes you get these great words of encouragement. You know, people just come by and they'll say something really positive like, you know, 
Um, looking forward to your lesson today, you know, that sort of thing. Kevin came by, wanted to offer me words of encouragement. He says, don't say something stupid. <laughs> Which really, I probably need that every day, all right? The encouragement I need from you is just don't say something stupid, because I normally do, okay? Now, with all that, and I probably will, but here we go. I'd like to talk about some things coming from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, so if you want to grab your Bible and turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 or whatever device that you may be using today, maybe you've got that on your phone or your iPad or whatever, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 because I'm not going to have time to talk about all the context in Ephesians chapter 2, so I'm going to let you do that. You'll look at that and see all the different things that are mentioned there that led Paul to say some things that I think will be very encouraging to you coming out of Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start in, in verse 11, and then we'll go all the way. Actually, we'll be talking about different things all the way through the end of the chapter. So Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Life on the inside. Nobody likes to be on the outside. If you got a club, you don't want to be on the outside of the club. You want to be on the inside of the club. Matter, matter of fact, we, we even use it in a derogatory way, talking about people that have clicks. You know what I mean by clicks? They got their little click. You know why it's a little click? Because you're not on the inside. Because if you were on the inside of the click, it wouldn't be a click, it'd just be your buddies, right? That's the deal about clicks. That's the deal about clubs. So if you're on the outside, you're always looking in and say, boy, I wonder what it's like in there. Sure, we'd like to be on the inside. Well, this morning I'd like to talk about life on the inside. And I'm certainly not talking about clicks. I'm certainly not talking about uh, uh, putting other people outside. No, 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 none of that. I'm talking about all of those who are inside when it comes to being in Christ. So if you're looking at Ephesians chapter 2, you'll notice that that's what he's talking about basically through the whole chapter. But I'm going to pick it up in, in verse 11. I'm going to read a couple of verses here, okay? Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Now, let me stop for just a second. That may be kind of foreign to some people. Why is he talking about circumcision? This was something under the old law in the Israelite, the Jewish nation. This was a symbol of being in that click. Okay? You were on the inside. That was part of it. And I know that that's not used for that today, but that's something that at that time, that's something that they were very aware of. People were either inside or outside of the clique. And usually what was happening is um, that this was a symbolic thing. Circumcision was just one of those things that they used in which to put you in. Okay, so I say that to say this. He's talking about remember those who you were formerly Gentiles by birth. All right, then he says this. Remember that at that time, you people that were outside the clique, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. What do you mean? Well, I mean without hope and without God in this world. Talk about being on the outside. That's the tragic, I mean the utmost of being on the outside. But then Paul says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Things are different now. Yeah, you used to be on the outside, but you're not on the outside anymore. Things have changed. Now, I want to start this morning by, as a matter of fact, if you look in Ephesians chapter 2, if you look at verse 11, he's noticed that he starts out with a word that is therefore. All right? We've talked about the word therefore before, haven't we? Because usually if you find the word therefore, 
you got to read what he's just talked about to figure out what he's going to talk about next. He kind of combines the two thoughts by using the word therefore. That's what happened here. Therefore. Now, if you look at that, you're, what you're finding is there's a lot of other things he's got through talking about. One, if you go back up to verse 1, he talks about people who are in their transgressions and sins, and he uses a word to describe them. You guys read that? Somebody look in verse 1. Tell me what word he uses to describe people who are in transgressions and sins. Dead. Now, this morning, I want to talk about life inside, uh, or life on the inside, and it's a life of thankfulness. It's a life of thank you, Lord. You live like that. Why? Because we were dead. Now, I've seen the Princess Bride, and I know that there are those who would say that you're only mostly dead. All right? Some of you are saying, what are you talking about? Part of the movie, you'll just have to watch it. Mostly dead means slightly alive. Not in your transgressions and sins. Because when you're dead, you're dead. You have no hope. You are without Christ, without hope in this world. That's what being dead in your transgressions and sins brings. But things have changed. Different now. Matter of fact, the way to be thankful and to live this thankful life on the inside is to remember your past. Remember what you used to be. Used to... I was lost. I was outside of Christ. I had no hope. I was wandering through life with nothing. I was dead in my transgressions and my sins. Matter of fact, in this particular context, he's reminding people who were Gentiles and trying to remember, remind them that you guys, there was, there was a time when you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from being on the inside. You didn't have any you didn't have any hope to the promise. You couldn't even be a part of the promise that God has given. Without hope, without God. That's who you used to be. That's you had no chance. Remember who you were. Matter of fact, this morning it'll change everything about your life. If you wake up in the morning and you remember that one time I was without Christ. I had no chance. I was lost in my sin, and I was going to die, and I was going to spend eternity with the devil and his angels away from my Lord. I have no chance to be with my God. When I remember that, that changes my day. It changes the way I act. It certainly changes the way I talk and treat other, talk to and treat other people because I remember who I was, and therefore I can no longer look at someone else and say, oh, you know, you guys are really bad. No, I'm really bad too. I have just had the blood of Christ to cover me. I remember who I was, and that makes me so thankful for my day. It makes me so thankful for who I am now. It makes me so thankful for everything because I remember what happened. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You used to be out there, but because of Christ, now you can be on the inside. You can be God's child. Now, I say those things, and matter of fact, I'm reminded in this context, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is actually addressing a, a real problem that Jews were having with Gentiles, and Gentiles were having with Jews, okay? They had a real problem with prejudices. I mean, they were very prejudiced. Matter of fact, the Jewish people were extremely prejudiced, but I'm reminded that life on the inside is a life without prejudice. Now, 
In this particular case, Christ came to get rid of that. Matter of fact, he calls it a dividing wall of hostility. That's what it was like between Jews and Gentiles. These guys were separated. They didn't have anything to do with each other. Jewish people wouldn't talk to someone who wasn't a Jew. Now, there may be some who are of Jewish descent here this morning. I'm not sure. Uh, speaking personally, I'm outside of that. I'm from a Gentile background, and as far as I know, I don't have any uh, Jewish lineage in me that, I, that I'm aware of. Okay, uh, But I will say this. This becomes very important to us Gentiles. Because if it weren't for the blood of Christ, this was all under the children of Israel, under the Jewish nation. Right? Now, when that happened, people are people. And they start looking at who they are because of their heritage. And they become a little bit conceited. Feel a little bit superior to others because of their lineage. In this particular case, who they, whose family they were born into. And then as they grew, they felt free to look down on someone else because they weren't born in the same lineage. They didn't have the same blood going through their veins, so therefore they were considered inferior. You're less because you don't have what I have. Prejudice towards. And along with that word, prejudice comes more. And now what I mean by more is not only do you feel superior to another, you treat them in a, sometimes a very bad way. In many cases, it's, a, um, it's, it's a, almost like an inhuman way. You look at them like they're, you're, you're, you don't even, you're not even a person. Now, I say that to say this. Christ came to take away that Dividing wall of hostility between those Jews and those Gentiles that were happening, and it was a tragic and terrible deal. Matter of fact, the, uh, I like this the way the easy-to-read version puts it. It says, through the cross of Christ, through the cross, Christ ended the hate between the two groups. He ended the hate between the two groups. And after they became one body, he wanted to bring them both back to God. Christ died to end the hate between the two groups. Now, Rick, why are you even talking about that? Jews and Gentiles, we understand that. That's been taken care of. Listen, life in Christ is without prejudice. It's without prejudice. You may say, well, I'm not a Jew. I mean, I don't have that feeling of superiority. Here's the problem with prejudices. They come in the form of Republicans or Democrats. They come in the form of the jocks or the nerds. Prejudice come in the form of white skin, black skin, brown skin. Prejudice come in all sorts of forms. What I'm saying by that is Christ came to get us all to see that we are all in His sight, we are all either His children or not His children. And He died so that we could all be His children. Therefore, I can no longer look at someone with a feeling of superiority based on anything. I am not superior to anyone based upon my lineage or my belief or my thoughts or what I think. All of that is gone. I have no reason to ever feel superior to someone else. 
now, not only do I, can I not feel superior to them, but I certainly can't treat them as less than me. For we are all, all of us, are the same in God's sight. Whether we're man or woman, or slave or free, Jew or Gentile, black or white, etc., etc. No more prejudice. We're all the same. Just trying to be, matter of fact, if it weren't for Christ, we'd all be lost, dead in our transgressions. So therefore, Christ died so that they would take away that prejudice that there was between Jews and Gentiles. Why would we think that it would be any different today? Any prejudice that we're holding on to that keeps us feeling superior to someone else, don't you think Christ died to take that wall down too? We get rid of that. Our life, our life on the inside is a different kind of life. No more prejudices. We don't do that. I do not mean by that that you can't be Republican or Democrat. <laughs> okay? I do not mean by that that you can't be black or white. You are. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. What I'm saying is there's no prejudice in it. I don't feel superior because of it. And I'm not going to treat you less because you're not like me. That's where the prejudice comes in. I'm not trying to take away who you are. I can't take away who you are. I don't want to take away who you are. But I will say that I want to make sure that I don't treat someone else less because they're not who I am. I'm in Christ. I'm so thankful. I've been covered by His blood. I'm His child. But that does not make me superior to anyone. Therefore, I can never look down on someone who is outside of Christ. Matter of fact, wouldn't it kind of be the opposite of that? All of a sudden, I'd start to be thinking about other people, thinking, I really care about that person because I want them to know Christ too. Changes things. Christ took it away. That's one of the things he accomplished on the cross. Verse 14 and 15, he puts it this way when he's talking about those Jews and Gentiles. For he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create to himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Christ's death upon the cross was for Every person who breathes air, everybody, all have to come to know Christ. All need His blood to cleanse them from their sins. That's on the cross. He accomplished that. He gave us all the chance to be His child. A life on the inside is a life without prejudice. A life on the inside is a life within the family. Oh, I'm so thankful to be in your family. Now, I say that, and that sounds a little bit like uh, you guys are watching the NCAA tournament, and I'm sorry that UMBC blew up everybody's black bracket on that. Uh, but you're, you're watching those, those ball games. Uh, what a thing I've noticed that, that when they interview these, uh, these kids, these college kids, well, they'll say, oh, I'm just so, my, this is my family here. I just, I just think that, yeah, okay, wait a minute, because then I'll have a lesson, and we'll talk about family. And we'll, oh, are those two things the same? Because next week, uh, Literally, for some of them, next week they will have decided that they're going to go this direction and that guy, he's going to go that direction and they really don't have anything to do with each other for the rest of their lives, okay? But they're a family. Okay, my point is this. When I talk about the family of Christ, I'm talking about something that's different. And the reason I'm talking about something that's different is because this is a family that all has one thing 
that unifies them all together, makes them family. Now, let's read it. This is in uh, verse 19 through 22. It says this. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole body is joined together and it rises to become the holy temple of the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're talking about all being one in Christ. This kind of family is the family that is drawn together and is held together by the blood of Christ. Now, let me just say very quickly, when we talk about this family, all right, life within this family is a life that puts no one above anybody else, all right? No one above anybody else. Everybody is the same in this family, all right? Now, I say those things just to remind you. Sometimes, and I got to thinking about it as I was getting this lesson together. Sometimes in a family, my family, wife, two kids there when they were at home. They're gone now, so now if something's messed up in the house, Teresa knows who did it. But there was a time when we were all there, okay? And in that family, sometimes we had issues that come up, problems. Sometimes we'd have little squabbles, especially between Zach and Kendra. Squabbles would come up, problems, sometimes between Rick and Teresa. Things would come up, and we'd have issues, we'd have problems, we'd have little, little struggles that we went through, and we'd have to work through those things, and sometimes it took a week, sometimes it took two weeks, all right? Now, if it took over two weeks, I was ready to throw in the towel, you know. Here's the thing, guys. All you got to remember is, you know, I think you're right, honey. I'm going to have to change that. Hey, took care of that. Anyway, the issue is this. In a family, you have problems. Any family. doesn't matter whose family you're talking about. You work through your problems. Everybody in the family say amen to that? You got a problem, we'll work through it. And guess what? Nobody in this building is perfect. And they're not ever going to meet up to your expectations completely. As a family, just not going to happen. We're going, I'm going to fall short of what you want me to be, everybody. In. I shouldn't include you. Maybe you are perfect, all right? I'm just saying, speaking personally, the ones that I know in this building, they're not perfect. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Anyway. Point is, and I hope you know it, nobody's perfect. We're just trying to be our, 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 our God's child, all right? When we mess up, we'll work through whatever struggle that is. If it is a relationship issue, we'll work through a relationship issue. If it's a money issue, we'll work through a money issue. If it is a, a problem with a, a something that we have together, we'll work through that. Whatever it is, we'll work through it because we're family. Families are different. You guys agree with that? Families are different than just groups of people out there. Families are... We act different. I say those things just to remind us, right, that we all need to be part of the family. That's one of the things that he's talking about here is the idea of being a part, being on the inside. I saw a couple of statistics that I thought you might find interesting. In America, the sociologists, uh, at least the ones that I read about this week, there's two things that they say about America. One is there is enormous spiritual hunger in America that is at an all-time high. 
That's what they say. People are interested in spiritual things now, more, maybe more than they ever have been before. Very interested. At the same time, there is a move away from, and that's in quotes, you see, institutional religion. Okay? Here's a question. Do you believe that you can be a very good, I should have put that in quotes because that was part of the question that was asked. Very, how can you be a very good Christian, either a Christian or not a Christian? Okay. The point is, they ask the question like this. Do you believe you can be a very good Christian without attending a church? Now, I know there's so much confusion with that word that I thought I'd need to put a little parentheses to describe what I'm talking about. When, I, when the question is asked church, what they're talking about is meeting with and being part of a local congregation. Do you think you can be a very good Christian without doing that? 81% of Americans said, yeah. Yeah, you can do that. You can be very good. You can be without being a part of a local congregation. Here's the thing. 81% of Americans said you could do that. 100% of New Testament writers say consistently and without exception, no. You cannot. As a matter of fact... If you want to start in the book of Acts and read through Jude, you'll find that 75% of what's written there is about what happens within the family of God. Isn't that interesting? That 81% of Americans think, oh, I'll be a Christian without ever being a part of a local congregation, and yet that's most of what the Bible, New Testament especially, is talking about. It's how you live within the family. What I'm saying is this. Why would I try to be God's child without being a part of God's body? Is that even possible? Can we say, yes, I'm part of Christ without being a part of Christ's body? You guys want to see what I'm asking, right? God's children are His body. That's what, how the, the Bible describes us. How can we say, yeah, I can be a Christian without being a part of Christ's body? Impossible. You can't do it. All the New Testament writers say no. You can't do it. You have to be part of the body of Christ. Now, I'm asking, is that, guys, we are, I need to be part of His body. I want to be part of His body. It's the body of Christ. That is the way that is so many times, uh, and Paul, I mean, he doesn't hear in Ephesians, but he does in so many other places, calls us, you and me who are Christians that belong to him, calls us the body of Christ. And particularly, he talks about it within local groups. Matter of fact, even the word church, and I don't have time to go into that, and sometimes you guys, if you've got some questions about that, come to me and ask me about uh, what we can find that is the background to the word church, okay? Because it can be very confusing. And I will give you a little hint. It has nothing to do with this building. Nothing to do with this building. As a matter of fact, the word church has nothing to do with something that we do on a Sunday. Okay, I mean, I know that that could be shocking to some of you, but we'll, we'll, we can look at that sometime. But my point is this, all the time, when the ecclesia, and that's the word that's translated, when the ecclesia is talking about, it's talking about the body of Christ. The called out. These are people that are different. These are people that are pulled out of the world. They look different. They act different. They are different because they're the body of Christ. And this is what he says about them. We're all in this together. All of us are together. And that kind of goes back to what he mentioned about Jews and Gentiles. They thought that they could be superior to one another. Impossible. 
You're all the body of Christ. We're all together. You're fellow citizens. You're all working together. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, it's all honored. We rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's the way the local group is supposed to be. That's the way a congregation is. We're all just the body of Christ. We live together. We work together. We laugh together. We cry together. We work together because we're His body. We're just trying to be what God wants us to be. This is what the Bible says about us. We're members of His household. Brothers and sisters in His family. We belong to the family of God. Friend, if you are God's child and you're a part of this congregation, I can guarantee you, if you are God's child, you are now on the inside. Those of you that go here all the time, say amen to that. You are on the inside. If you are on the outside, it's because you choose to be on the outside because we will never keep you there. As far as we're concerned, you're on the inside. You're part of us. And we'll work together. We'll live together. We'll die together. We're just going to do it together. We're God's children. We're His family. It also says that we're built together. (laughs) We're built together. It's the idea that we're all put together like God wants us to be. Matter of fact, if you're reading in that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 passage, what you'll find is he talks about how that, that God has arranged us just like he wants us to be. He put us together. We are the family of God, and life in the family is a wonderful thing. I am so glad I have you to look out for me, that you care about me, that when I mess up, you're not going to kick me out but you're going to do your best to help me through it. That means a lot to me. Because even if I'm part of some group out there, maybe a club or or a gang or whatever it is, it's okay as long as I don't do something against the group. But if I do something against the group, they're going to kick me out of the group. Here, in God's family, when I mess up, you guys say, okay, you messed up. Kind of like we all do. The point is this, you can be cleansed by the blood of Christ. That's why he died. We don't look down on you. We're not going to kick you out because you messed up. We're going to help you get through your mess up. Big difference. Life in the family is a wonderful place to be. Guys, i got to close up. i got ten more slides to go through, but I can't do it. So we're going to move on to this, and that is the song that we're going to sing to think about our, our commitment to our Lord and as we proclaim. And matter of fact, as we request this morning that we will be pure in heart, that we would be what God wants us to be. This morning, if you know, Hey, I'm missing. I'm not what God wants me to be, and, and things need to change in my life. This morning, will you decide, no longer living for anybody else, I'm putting Christ first. I'm going to make sure that He's at the center of my life. This morning.